Welcome back, guys, to Some Supervision Required, another episode of Quarantine Edition, right? So if you guys heard the last episode, you know that we're not recording from a studio. We are recording from an app. So if there's a little bit of uh, noise level, please excuse that. But I promise you that we will get through this episode pretty smoothly. Um, as for my guest, you'll be very excited to know you probably... Remember her from season one. I had her on as a guest, Nina Khan. I gave her a pretty uh, big intro, so I won't do that again because I know the first time was pretty embarrassing. Nina, welcome back. Hi, how are you? Glad to be back. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have another incredible, I admire her very much. She makes me laugh until I'm absolutely crying. Very strong, <laughs> <laughs> female badass, just overall like badass boss babe. Diana Marti, welcome Hi. to the show. It's a lot to live up to, but thank you. <laughs> no, I'm actually a lot better. I'm actually a lot better with my intros, but I've just, I, I've decided to sort of tone them down a little bit because people tend to get very embarrassed. You can ask Nina; she was not, she was not a big fan. No. <laughs> so I'm like, let me let me tone them down a little bit. So I'm happy to have you guys here because amidst all this chaos, right? This is actually a topic that I had been thinking about. Um, from the beginning of the year, actually. And I had identified the two of you as the perfect people to talk about because I think between the three of us, we have a wide range of perspectives. Um, and so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. So when 2020 started, I found, I found myself very optimistic for the year. I was kind of like, you know what? I'm really going to apply myself and just sort of grow as, as an individual and as a woman. And I got bombarded with good news, right? Like very good news. I had three extremely close friends within two weeks um, tell me that they were having either their second child or their first child. Uh, and then I had two jump into a relationship, which is also a lot of, you know, a lot of fun for me because I wanted to see them happy in that sense. Um, and then I had a bachelorette party coming up in the summer that I was really excited about, which obviously was for a close friend that was going to get married at the end of the year. So for me, it was kind of, I kept making the joke of like babies, boyfriends, and bachelorettes. That's what my 2020 is going to be. Um, it's still kind <laughs> of like that. I mean, given the last couple of weeks, it's a little, it's been a, a little different, but even though it was positive news and I felt good about it and I was happy for them, it kind of started to make me question what my goals were in my life, like, what was it that I wanted? Was it okay that I felt happy? Or should I feel some sort of pressure? And I just started thinking about all the things that I'm sure you guys at some point have thought of, right? Like, am I doing this right? Am I on the right path? Am I supposed to, you know, be somewhere at this at a certain age? Am I hitting all the right milestones? Um, so I wanted to get your perspective from the both of you, right? Nina, you being someone that's been in a relationship for a very long time. And Diana, you're a single mom, you have a completely different mm -hmm. perspective on that. And then me, who's like nowhere near having kids or getting married or anything. So like I said, we have a wide range of perspectives. But my question to you guys, and feel free to whoever wants to go first, do you personally feel any kind of societal pressure to conform to these imaginary timelines that sort of we encounter? Um, Diana, I, you can go first. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go first. And um, it's a heavy, and it's yeah. and mind you, it's a heavy yeah. question. It's a very heavy question. It's a very layered question, and we can get really deep into it. But like that, I just wanted to sort of set up the premise of 
the whole the whole topic for the day right like yeah these these timelines you know um it is it is a very uh layered loaded question um I can tell you personally that I've felt those pressures from the moment I was probably in college, right? Where um, people were like, well, when are you going to get married? And so I kind of um, did everything that was in the checklist, right? So I got married, I had a child, and suddenly I found myself divorced and with a child at 25. And it doesn't stop. It actually, it's almost like you finish the race and then you go right back to the finish, to the start line. And it starts all over again. And now there's this pressure of the fact that, you know, you have a child. So everyone's like, well, you need to meet someone because you need to be in a relationship because you need to get married and you need to give her siblings. And, and it's hard to like hush that all in your head because you start thinking like, well, that's not what I want right now. But there's this like little voice in your head that's like, but maybe you should want it because everyone's telling you that it's what you should have by now. And so, of course, like I think that you can have all of the accomplishments that you want in your career, but ultimately somehow, some way it always comes back to like, well, when are you going to find someone and get married? Right. So. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that I have absolutely felt that kind of pressure since since honestly, since I can remember and and it didn't stop when I got married and then had a child and then got divorced. Um, it's like it's again, it's like you're starting all over again. And everyone kind of wants to give you the, your their opinion as to where you should be in your life and what you should have um, to yeah. kind of feel complete. Which it, yeah. it feels it feels like such bullshit, right? Because that's what I've kind of told people in the past. I'm like, whatever, whatever point you're at, whatever milestone you've gotten to, it feels like there's always another one that people are going to start asking you. So it doesn't stop at like, just getting into a relationship, right? Like, whereas in my case, you know, I'm not getting asked about having a child anytime soon. I'm just getting asked, like, well, when are you going to settle down into a solid relationship to to be able to get married but then I think well once I get to that point then once I'm in a relationship with somebody then it's gonna be like well when are you gonna get married and then once I get married mm-hmm. it's like well, when are you gonna have kids when are you gonna have your second kid well when are you gonna exactly. you know, like there's always some sort of milestone that people think that you need to hit and in my opinion I just think that like that that doesn't work for everyone like that cookie cutter mm-hmm. life is very outdated um but Nina I think you were gonna say something no, no, I mean, I, I completely hear both of you. And I think that for me in, in particular, I feel like I've come a very long way from accepting myself in terms of what I want in a relationship and what I want, where life is right now and where I want to be. I feel that for me, at least the pressure wasn't necessarily from my family. Like I don't necessarily get a ton of pressure from um, my my mom or my dad or my aunt. I mean, I think that there's an underlying, you know, tone of like, oh, we would love to have a wedding because I'm one of the older, you know, children, but I've never had a pressure from them. But I will say that the pressure that I've experienced has been surprisingly from my close group of uh, female friends. And I say this in the best way possible, not because they're trying to um, impose something on me, but because I think as women, and I spoke about this a little bit in in the previous conversation, we have a tendency of projecting our own situation onto others and our own realities onto other other women in hopes to have this 
kind of community, right? Because we want to have this feeling of sorority and um, and we want, there's an inherent community aspect of our lives that we want to carry. We want to have all of our friends carry the same experiences together. So when your other, when your friends are single, you want to have other single friends to go out with you. So when your friends start getting married, they want you as well to be part of that, because not only do they want to see you happy, but they want to also be able to have that commonality and, and meet and have that common ground. So I feel that for me, I felt that a lot of the time I was being asked, like, well, are you sure you're happy with Dylan? Are you sure that he's the right person to be with? Because we know you and we know you want to have a wedding. We know you want to be married. We know you want to have kids. And so it started playing a number on my head where I was convinced that I wanted those things in the exact same timeline that my friends were also experiencing it. But I never stopped to think about what I really wanted, right? So I it, it took a, many years, right? It took like probably four years into my relationship with Dylan and I'm, I'm going to go on, probably, I'm going on six and a half years with him where I finally admitted to myself that I didn't care that much about the title of being married. I didn't care that much about not having children in my 20s, right? In my late 20s. I cared because my friends also were experiencing that and because I wanted to be part of that kind of experience together. And I wanted to be uh, all of us to have something to talk about. And they wanted me to so happy. They wanted me to be so happy just like they were, but they never thought to realize that maybe I was happy in that same kind of, in my own reality. And I didn't allow myself to be happy in it. So I was having conversations with my girlfriends about, well, you know, you're right. I definitely need to put a timeline on my boyfriend. I definitely need to start talking about those conversations. So I would almost put myself in these very confrontational situations with my partner that I didn't necessarily believe in. And it only took me a very long time to, after talking to many people and just like having a really heart to heart with myself where I was like, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I'm very career oriented. My priority right now is that I have all these other types of priorities in my life that the wedding itself is not a priority. The partnership that I have with him is a priority and the fact that we're planning a future together is a priority but the wedding isn't necessarily a priority and then it was even a harder realization to 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 finally look at myself in the mirror and say I'm okay with having children at later at a later point in life because I didn't have that feeling of wanting them in my 20s I just thought that I needed to because my friends were doing it too does that make sense yeah no so that's kind of where that's my journey of of feeling pressure that it was mainly I I I'm a girl's girl, so I'm always surrounded by girls. And I feel that I take on their realities and I feel like they're happy. So that must be the direction that I should be going in. Yeah. And I remember you kind of going through that journey. And I, and I remember thinking, you know, like I didn't, I never once because I had seen you interact um, with Dylan so much thought like, oh, maybe she's unhappy. I thought that you yourself were putting pressures on yourself. And I'm like, it must be from, mm -hmm. you know, from her friend, from her very, very close friends. Because again, I remember this happening probably like right when I first met you, um, that there needs to be mm -hmm. a timeline and me not really understanding what a serious relationship entailed of, I sort of took that on my own. I'm like, well, is, is she doing this the right way? So like the day that I get into a serious relationship, should I also start thinking about, you know, putting a timeline on my partner or whatever that, that may be, mm -hmm. um, and I, I like the point that you said that you didn't really feel that pressure from your family, because I think that's another, that's another good, like, 
way to analyze this is where you get the pressure from, right? So you said you got it more from your friends and not necessarily your family. Like I know myself, I have gotten it from both angles, from every angle, right? So like I've gotten it from my mom, who is, you know, very old fashioned, who feels that like, because of how she did things, you know, she got married young, she had kids very young, um, that it should be the same exact way. But also for my friends, and it doesn't come from a place of, I guess, with them, like, a timeline or the way that you're supposed to do things. I've always said that what's frustrating for me as a person is that they attribute these milestones to happiness. And so if you haven't hit them, then that means you're not happy. And I completely disagree. Like, I mean, just looking at stats alone, right? Like, so we know that the average age across the board for getting married based like it has gone up, right? I think it's like 27 and 29 for women and men. Um, when, whereas it used to be like, I think 20 and 22, maybe 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having said that alone, you already know that people are getting married later in life. Um, and I think everyone has sort of accepted that. I think what people have not accepted is that getting married and having a kid while both probably do provide you a lot of happiness because I'm sure Diana you could say like the best thing that ever happened to you was having Valentina it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that Definitely. it is it is the the only way of getting happiness from from just those two things like there's so many other ways to have a sense of fulfillment of your life so I think Diana I would ask you do you feel mm-hmm. maybe a little less pressure or because you have a child, so because you kind of hit that milestone, like no one's telling you, you know, in the nicest, most polite way, hey, your eggs are drying up or because you're like, I already have a kid <laughs> or something. Um, or are you able to also like lean on the fact that, you know, you are a, a badass professional career driven woman um, who also is a single mom, right? So like, it, it's kind of more like in your in your backcourt, whereas I, I think I would say like, oh, I'm very focused on my career, but they're like, yeah, but then, you know, your personal life isn't really up to par. Right. No, I mean, I think it's a balance, right? I think um, you having a child immediately, people are like, well, you can't leave her alone. She needs a sibling. Right. And like, (laughs) and, and she, she, and you know, you, you need to find someone. And, um, and then also having a child places this pressure where people are like, well, your career is going great, but like, are you sure you have enough time for your child? And, and of course I do, right? She's my priority. Um, she's one of the, the reasons that I do what I do. And, and my fulfillment from her is very separate from how work fulfills me, right? It's two separate things. Um, mm-hmm. They're related, but two separate things. But I, I do, yeah, of course. You, I honestly, yes, people will not apply so much pressure about you having kids because you already have one. But then there's this like added layer of, well, she needs a sibling. You, you know, she, you need to give her a sibling. She can't, she can't be alone in this world. You need to give her a sibling, and um, and it, and it, it's an added layer. And and having a child and dating with a child is is, it's made me very private. It's made mm-hmm. me very private because I protect not her but the relationship that I'm in um Mm -hmm. from having people judge it or or apply pressures right because once you have a child actually the pressure for you to marry whoever it is that you're dating almost like 
is like oh, yeah. on steroids, right? And everyone's like, well, yeah. you know, you already have a child. Like, come on, get go, get married. What are you waiting for? They almost um, they almost yeah. expect your dating to be a little bit faster, I think. Like, they're yeah, like, oh, well, like, right, you don't right. have to like really get to know the, the person. You know, every like if you're dating somebody with a child, like you're in it for the long haul. You're not really getting to know them. And yeah. then like you're not dating like a normal person, which is in a way it exactly. is true. But in, in a way, like I think you have to be a little bit more sensitive and sensible to a person you that do. you're dating that has a child because you're you're not just screwing around but i'm too exactly. it doesn't necessarily mean that all rules get thrown out the window and then it's like no mm-hmm. no and i you still want to date and, and experience the same thing and take your time it's it's a very big decision and and it should be taken you know with the utmost thought behind it but mm-hmm. it does make you um protect that relationship because immediately everyone has something to say about how it's not moving quickly enough or it's moving too quick or, or people are going to just jump in to apply any sort of pressure. So um, no, mm-hmm. the pressure doesn't go away. If anything, I think that it, it almost gets multiplied, to be honest. I, I will say to add to a little bit of, of what Diana's saying that I've seen looking out as a woman who is in a relationship but doesn't have children looking at my colleague and friend who's a single mom and in an amazing career executive is that one of the things that's very admirable about, you know, societal pressures and knowing that I myself grew up as an only child and my mom kind of raised me very similarly. I see a lot of similarities in the way that Diana raises her child is that she allows her career to, you know, take on certain protagonism in her life when it's necessary but she always recognizes that all roads lead back to her daughter and her family and regardless of um, her daughter being an only child she also recognizes that she has a great tribe of women that love her and support her and the children that those women will one day have are siblings to her daughter which I think that's also very powerful because I think that you know, that whole pressure of like, you're going to be an only, you're going to be an only child. What, what in the world is, are you going to do? I'll tell you coming from an only child perspective, that the biggest issue or the biggest concern that parents have when their child is growing up, and I'm sure Diana probably thinks about that is how that only child is going to take care of them when they're old. But now looking at myself, in my 30s, looking at my mother, who's in her mid 50s, and she's getting older, I also recognize that I have an amazing female support system that heaven forbid, I need to rely on one of them to come and help me with something related to my mother as she's aging. I can also rely on them because they're like sisters that I've grown up with, right? Because my family, because my women, because my mom has great female relationships. Diana has great female relationships too, that one day will also have other children that will support yeah. her child. So I think that's also very important, which is building your support system, regardless of the children that you bear yourself. Right. And I think Diana is a great example of that, where it's like, we're all aunts and we're all, we're all like honorary aunts to her daughter. And we love her as if they, she were our own and we would do anything for her because we love Diana so much. You know what I mean? I think that's also really yeah. important because it takes off a little bit of that pressure. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I, I like yeah. what you said about, you know, career being sort of like that protagonist sometimes and having that trade-off because that's another stigma that I would love to get your perspective on, the both of yours, um, is that like once you do have a child or if you do get, you know, it, let's say even as simple as like you're planning a wedding, that all of a sudden the focus on your work and your career goes away, right? 
and you know oh she had a child she's definitely not going to be the same person that she was when she when before she had the child because you know like now her main priority is that child and they're not going to put as much effort into work or like that the two things can't exist simultaneously and i think diana you're a perfect example of that that you're able to do both um Mm -hmm. but does that stigma still sort of exist um at work you know like or in have you seen it happen where you know some people may not prioritize it and others do and then they're sort of viewed as a little strange or maybe they're not giving enough attention at home or oh well they're just privileged because you know they have a nanny etc or they have somebody to take care of her just give me a little bit of of what you guys think about that that stigma particularly um i think as as a mother in um for it it, it's just, it's going to happen by default, right? Where people are going to um, be like, oh, don't worry, I'll do that. I know you have to go home to her or whatnot. And and they're really trying to help. Um, but it's almost a sense of you saying, no, no, I can do that. And, and it's just finding balance. Um, my schedule probably doesn't look like your schedule, Danny, your needs schedule. And that's just what it is. It's about finding a balance and, and having great leaders that, recognize mm-hmm. what what it is that that you're you know roles that you play in your life and um and them having giving you the, that flexibility when you need it um I've never I, right. I never you know I never yeah. throw in like oh well I can't because of x or because of y I try to always make it work um and if I can't it's because I can't but yeah it, it definitely happens but I think the biggest who's your leader who are the women around you at work and the men and and how do they view it and that's always going to change your experience in my opinion yeah and I I think I I actually feel the same way like as you do where you're able to sort of prioritize if if you want to prioritize it I think that there unfortunately there are instances where people are going to try and help you out or because they think it's a handicap but it's on you I guess as a as a woman to say like no, I got it. I can still do my job. I can still advance my career and be a great mom at the same time. Yeah, but I'll also add to that. Um, as women, it, it's a very, you know, as women who are are trying to be leaders in the workplace, it's a very fine line to kind of walk because, for example, some women will prioritize their children other before their career for no other reason that they genuinely want to. And as women looking out, there needs to be a level of sympathy and understanding. It doesn't have to be empathy, right? Because we don't have to put ourselves in that particular shoes, but some sympathy that that's that woman's trajectory. And that's the, that's the road they want to take. Because I know for a fact that I am a very balls to the wall, fake it till you make it work as hard as you can leave nothing on on the floor like once you finish your work days because you've killed your to-do list I can work Saturday Sundays evenings whatever but I recognize that that's also a personality that I may have with a child or not and I also recognize that that some women will not bring that forward when they have a child and that's perfectly fine that's too. true they're just using they're just maybe entering a different phase of their lives where the to-do list at work is not that interesting to them anymore. They actually are okay with leaving things for the next day because they do want to get back home. 
And I need to be understanding of that when they tell me, hey, sorry, I can't do X, Y, Z. I have a kid. For uh, even in the beginning, it might be like a little bit jarring to me. I need to just kind of put that in the back seat and be like, okay, that's, that's yeah, okay. Absolutely. You know, I don't know. I don't know, Diana, if you if you kind of agree or what no, you think about I, I that. completely agree. I think I think something happens to you once you have a child and it it changes the way you view your life, the way that you view mm-hmm. your priorities, um, the legacy that you want to leave behind. And and I always say that success looks different for di- for everyone. Right. So like what I view as success is very different from the next person, but it all like it all comes down to balance, right? And um, Shonda Rhimes said it perfectly that sometimes, you know, she's a single mother and and she's a badass. And she's like, sometimes I feel like I'm dropping the ball when I'm doing really great at something, I'm dropping mm-hmm. the ball at something else. And and that happens to me when I'm doing fantastic. Gosh, like, am I doing enough here or there? Um, so it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. And to Nina's point, you have to give, um, especially as a woman, anyone that works for you, that to, that room to find that balance right within them. And and some people will prioritize one thing or the other, um, but it's about having that balance so that you feel friends and one thing versus the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I also think that as women, sometimes, unfortunately, and I maybe this is not the right thing to say, but this is my opinion. Sometimes you just have to be quiet about what you don't know. And this is not in the workplace. This is more like in life. Like, I don't have a kid. I don't know how hard it is. I, I am the last person that needs to be talking about anything about work-life balance, um, you know, keeping it all together, um, because I can't. I cannot relate on that level, right? I can't. There, there's just sometimes where you just need yeah. to shut up. You know what I mean? And that's just a line that I cannot cross because I don't have a child. You know what I mean? And like, and there's, it's a very unique experience that I will be there. I will be supportive. I will push back. if I think that there's an area where like, I think that maybe you're letting yourself go completely. And it's kind of like, can we bring you back? And like, can we talk about kind of your essence and what makes you, you, I'm here to help, but I can't be out here trying to say that you're using your child as an excuse or a gateway or I mean, we just don't know. We, we really have no That's true. idea. No, I, I completely get that. And I actually just thought of an example amidst this uh, coronavirus chaos where, you know, obviously we're all working remotely. We're working from home. And another topic that has been brought up is the moms that work and now also have to work at home and teach their kids, right? Yep. Like that is, oh my God. I cannot imagine how absolutely difficult that has to be because having... I all I have to do is work from home and I'm trying to be at least somewhat productive in between meetings and stuff and say, Hey, you know what? Like during this half hour, I'm going to go out on the balcony and do a few squats or something. And like, I get overwhelmed over stupid shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone, I'm not taking care of another child, you know, like, or, yeah. or and so I can't, I can't imagine how difficult that must be. But I've also seen, you know, a lot of um, colleagues that I work with, like, this whole working from home process, while it has been very difficult for them, it, it has also helped them, you know, justify sometimes the, their off working hours. So I have one in particular that I've noticed has said straight up, she's like, listen, it's easier for me to get work done at night off hours, mm-hmm. like period, because 
during right. the day. She is taking care of her kids. She is trying to attend whatever meetings she absolutely has to be in and also teach her kid. So the emails that she's going to get to, I will get emails at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock, 1 a.m. And yep. that was something that would happen all the time when she was naturally at work. It's happening a lot more. It's happening a lot more now because she's just at home the entire time. But I feel like there was almost a misconception that, oh, okay, so now that you get to work from home and be at home with your kids, it should be a little bit easier. And it's like, no, it actually isn't because now they have the added layer of having to. Yeah. First of all, their kid may not even under may not be of age to understand why they're home all the time, so you have to deal with that. But then also have to teach mm-hmm. them and take them to school as well and be a teacher. So they're wearing like seventeen different hats. Um, exactly. Thankfully, I, I work for a great company that you know takes all of that into consideration and has really helped out. But I can only imagine like other people and how what they're struggling with. Yeah, I mean this this hasn't been easy. It's it's um. You know, you you are playing teacher, which has now I have a newfound respect for teachers in general. Um, yeah. And then you're in meetings, and you're also preparing meals and and instructing in between calls and emails. And um, back to what I had said before, like my days don't look the same that other people's days look like because I also get a lot of work done um, at the end of the day because I prioritize once six p.m. comes around instead of just continuing to work, I will spend time with her and we'll go for a walk or we'll do whatever. But that's just what I'm choosing to prioritize. And then once I go through our entire nighttime routine, then I start working. Do I sleep a little less than maybe the next person? Yes, but um, I'm able to balance as much as I can. And, and you know, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. In these times now, the, the priority for me is to normalize a situation that's very scary in the sense where I'm trying to keep her calm. I'm trying to make this as fun as possible. Um, and, and have her kind of just enjoy and see the silver lining of all of this, if you will. Um, but that's like an added layer to everything else. Yeah. That's a lot. Kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Because you, <laughs> I really no, don't, honestly, I, I don't know no how she does it. And I, I feel like it's a great segue even to like, have Diana talk a little bit about like selfishness as a mom because I find that other women will almost like shame other moms regardless of whether you have a child or not because they put themselves first in some situations where I at the outside looking in thinking like her putting herself first in that situation makes her a better mom and I'll never I'll give a I'll give a concrete example there was like um, this influencer mom that works out with the baby carriage and ever and then I guess someone in someone found like she was doing videos while she was um, she was doing videos of herself working oh, out yes. while the baby carriage I saw it and only the baby was sleeping. This is was great. Every, right everyone was like everyone's what? like that's such a bad mom you know I can't like you know the baby sleeping in the baby carriage while she's Instagramming her workout routines and I, and the way that I thought it was like oh my goodness what a badass like number one she's in great shape she's in better shape than I am and I don't even have a child let's begin there second of all she's she's like probably making money off of those Instagram posts so she's also like bringing in money for her child and her life and the baby's yeah, the baby doesn't I even know where I love that. you know what I mean and like what's wrong with it? and I and I just feel like some moms are just really great about being able to be like listen you came in I wanted you and you're loved but you came into my life and now I'm gonna have you work around my life and and I remember because D when 
when her child was little, like we would go to brunch all the time. Like Diana never said, I can't do this because I have a kid, right? That was just her personality. And I feel that also helps normalize parenthood yeah. as well for some women. Don't I you completely think? agree. Um, to Nina's point, I, when V was born, I, my motto was you've come into my life. And so you need to adjust accordingly. Right. And that's just, I got very lucky just because <laughs> she's a good kid and she's easy and, and she's amazing. I, and I, and I know that everyone brought her along. And so if I need to go to a shoot or I need to do something, um, she's grown up coming along with me and doing all the things that I need to get done. Um, and, and she's seen me work, which I think is really nice. Um, but back to Nina's point, um, I think we as women sometimes shame each other for prioritizing, right? As, as mm-hmm. a mother, or as a woman, just period. And there's moments where I mm-hmm. have neglected to put everything else first. And I have an amazing support team, like other women in my life that are to like call me out and say like what about you right and I think that that you need to hold Mm -hmm. accountable but you also need to surround yourself around women that will do that for you and will give you and be like no you know Mm -hmm. I I need to do whatever brings me back to me before I can give to everyone else no agree and I've so mm-hmm. I'm super against like mom shaming and that's probably because I have a lot of friends that are moms and I have seen over time, you know, some that have like older kids, some that have, you know, newborns and stuff. Every mom is different. That is the one lesson that I have learned amongst all of my mom friends is that every single mom is different. Everyone, everyone parents different. And yeah. especially me who I don't have a child, I am in no <laughs> position at all to pass any kind of judgment but I don't I don't even like it and I'll call it out when like another mom passes judgment or says a comment about another mom because it's like you don't know their situation you don't know what they're what they're going through what they want to parent but one thing that I had talked to one of my mom friends about um she did say that she had gotten into an argument with you know a a very close friend of hers that was also a mom that said you know I put my kid above everything and it's like my kid above everything and then and then my relationship and she said well no I put myself above anything and then you know like uh, above anything else it's it's you know taking care of myself and it's because of that that exact same comment that you said Diana where you you have to put the mask on yourself before you're able to help out someone else and it was and, I mean it, it was a theoretical mm-hmm. conversation that I of course t- took no part in because I was like I don't have you know an opinion on this I can't have an opinion but it was interesting to understand her take and her argument with her friend which, who was saying you know like no I like my kid's always going to come first and she's like yes he, he like he is going to come first but at the same time too you have to make sure that you are sane because if you are not well and you're not healthy and you're not taking care of yourself you're only going to do more damage you know no matter exactly. how much you try and prioritize that you, it's just you're going to do damage. Um, so I thought that was something that was really interesting. She meant because I'm like, okay, that's, that's interesting to, to see because at the end of the day, like you could end up doing more harm than good if you don't take care of yourself. So one other thing, because I know we, I want to take it back a little bit to this whole marriage thing. Um, there's a lot of reasons, like if you look up on Google or anything about people getting married later in life, there are loads and loads and loads of articles kind of explaining why, right? So um, I know that, all right, I don't know, but like I've read obviously a lot that marriage really used to be about financial security, 
And that I think does lead into the career thing a little bit because nowadays people aren't getting married necessarily for financial security. It's like a, a solid bonus. Um, and maybe again, after this entire crisis, that might actually bump up in the uh, priority list or checklist of people. But the financial security thing, I don't think anymore is like the number one, you know, hit outside of like, do I like this person? Am I in love with this person? It's, you yeah. know, as a, as a woman now, I have, I need to make sure that I'm financially secure for life. Like, it's sort of inverted itself, right? Mm -hmm. So like, women are focusing on their careers yeah. a lot earlier, they're making sure that they're established. And then getting married is kind of this added bonus, right? So like once they say, well, I'm financially secure by myself on my own, then I can find someone like a life partner to share that with. Um, but then there's the mm -hmm. other argument that says the reason why people are getting married later in life is because of hookup culture, right? So, you know, it, it's, it's easy now because of all, <laughs> because of all the options and not so much like hookup culture, but like all the options that you yeah. have with technology and dating apps and everything that like you don't have to necessarily settle for the first person that you vibe with. That's just the reality. You know, you can, you can take your time and explore your options and maybe you like somebody this week and you don't like them after three months of dating them or, you know, people are, are taking that into account and saying, ah, I don't have to get married right now. So I'm curious to see what you guys kind of think. Is it a combination of those factors? Is it one over the other? You know, how does it play into, into what you think of? Like, would you rather say, okay, I have a lot of options, um, so I'm going to take my time? Or it's like, no, I'm still working on me. And when I finish working on me, then I'll think about a relationship. So <laughs> I said, Thanks. I said hookup culture and Nina was yeah. like, nope. <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah. um, rabbit so, hole. Uh, that's, it's, it's a layered question what you asked because, um, because advice, I tell them to not get married until they figure out who they are. And I say that from personal experience, I think that who you are at 23 doesn't even come close to the person that you're going to mm -hmm. be at 30, right? Like not mm -hmm. even 33, 30, 28, mm -hmm. you know, your world's apart. I think throughout those years, you go through all of these experiences and you really come into your own and what you look for in a partner and a person to spend your, the rest of your life, what you should look like changes so much by the time that you're what you can call an adult, right? Yep. So I would say that's number one. Number two, mm -hmm. I think that for me at least, and, and I won't speak for Nina, but like, and or you, Danny, but we, we're women that we have a career. So I don't look at a man as financial security. I look at him as like a partner and that changes look at what you're looking mm -hmm. for. Especially when you've been single for a while, I think that you're like, okay, I definitely don't need someone to be happy, A, or B, to like survive or to live yeah. a good life. It, mm -hmm. it really, really changes you. And it's not that you're picky. It's that you won't settle for less than what you want. So I think that like, instead of exactly. just being like, well, you know, what I'm looking for is like a partner mm -hmm. and someone that's going to be there with me through like tough, mm -hmm. tough things like your parents dying and things like that. Like that's who you're looking for. So I think that I, I don't know if it's necessary for culture. We're really narrowing down what we want and we're not settling to settle down. Mm -hmm. I also think that things are, there's more, there's more information out there right and people are 
with with it with every year that passes and societies change and generations look different the amount of the access to information that women have now is completely different vastly different than the information the access to information that our mothers and our grandmothers had right so for them happiness looked a different way not because it was almost imposed by maybe it was imposed by society but also also like they just didn't have the the means to be educated about other opportunities right so if you don't know what you don't know, it would happen to us right now. If all of a sudden we grew up in a in a in in a family that was very very um, conservative and protective, and then we didn't necessarily have a lot of access to information, so we wouldn't know that we could have options, right? Which are putting your career first, um, delaying um, having children, getting married later, etc. I know for me, I was in a, in a long term high school relationship, and then I was single for a couple of years before I met my, my now um, boyfriend and I've been with him for a long time. So I recognize that I'm a serial monogamous. I, I like to be in long relationships, but I also recognize while well, in the period that I was dating, that I really loved d- dating too. I, I find that apps, websites, whatever, I think that those things are, are great. I think that people can find a lot of success in that. And I think that like, it's more I, I don't know. I don't necessarily if it's hookup culture. I just think it's more information out there where you recognize, okay, I don't like this. I can try something else. I can, and there's nothing wrong in that. I actually think that's pretty liberating to know that you're able to, for yourself, decide who you are. Because like Diana said, like the most important thing above anything else, above any app, above any, anything is understanding what you really want. And for me, I didn't know what I really wanted until I dated for me, I had to date a couple of guys for, to really recognize what I really valued. And for me, I, I, I realized that I really don't, for me, wedding and marriage wasn't partnership. It was an event that I, that I needed to get to. And then I realized that what I really care about is not having a party. What I really, really care about is being with someone that's willing to be like, you know what, Nina, I want to plan for the next three years of our lives together, I want to financially plan where you and I contribute this much and we're going to build this together. You know what, Nina, I'm thinking about um, buying a home and you're the person I want to do it with. Like those type of conversations are way more sexy and attractive to me than someone that's like, I want to put a yeah. ring on your finger to have a party. Like that's not important to me, you know, <laughs> financial planning yeah. is really no, I, important. I, agree. To I think um so me just to kind of say like the short answer for me is I was like, yeah, marriage is definitely not about financial security anymore because from my personal experience, I am going to prioritize my, my career, or at least my fulfillment as a person over anything else. But I would say that like, and this is me just like jesting, right? Like hookup culture is definitely to blame why men are getting married way later in life. Cause giving them options is not the same thing as giving women options. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I, and I and I, ha- I have to push back on that because I don't believe that that's true because if that were the truth then it wouldn't be the same and how old is sex in the city you know what I mean like that show was around like how, over 20 years already and it was still the same thing so I just think it just changes different forms right now it's a bar before it was yeah I guess a bar men in cities like a bar like you know it's just it's but like, I think, I think but just, I think the options thing is like a paralysis men's, for some people I think it, 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 the fact that you know that you can literally open up your phone and say, and again, this is coming from a, a, a perspective that like, I am very against dating apps, not for other people. I think it works for other people for myself. It'll never, I, I don't want to say it'll never work, but it, it, it just doesn't work. 
I, and I've mentioned it plenty of times before on previous podcast episodes, like dating apps and me just don't work. And I think that the fact that you have so many options and you can just sort of like leisurely pick whoever it is that you want to strike up a conversation with, it gives you some sort of power when you're on the other side of the screen that you don't, you don't get that same exact thing in, in, in person. Like we talked about it in the last episode, I think that I said, you would never ghost a person that you had met in real life, had had a conversation with, you know, maybe went out on a date and then you wouldn't just disappear on them. But let's say you meet them. Obviously, that's not it's, true. It's, I feel there's like an people did that all the time. I think it happens a lot more on dating apps where you match with someone, you have conversation for over a week and then you never hear from that person ever again. And again, I haven't been on dating apps that long to say that that's what's happened to me. But I have heard that over and over and over again where they just you never hear from them again. And I'm like, well, did you have any deep conversations? Was it just like a, Hey, how are you? How's your, how's your morning going? They're like, no, we, we had serious conversations for over a week. And then I never heard from this person again. And I'm like, well, this person never saw you in person. They never got a sense of your body language. They never got a sense of who you are as a person. So yeah, it's very easy on a screen to just delete a phone number or delete or delete a match and then, you know, be done with it. And I think that, like, that for me, that hookup culture tends to, for men, right? I don't necessarily think for women, and I don't want to be sexist in my approach, but I just think that that's, like, that's just my opinion, um, tends to happen. You know what? Um, I don't, I don't completely disagree with you, but I think that there's, like, a lot of factors when, when, when a guy meets a girl or, or a guy's on these apps or girls even, I think it just depends if your light is on, right? Like, are they, maybe they just got out of a relationship and they're just looking to like pass some time or maybe they came to a decision that they've fooled around enough and they actually want to find someone. And obviously the pattern of, of dating has changed where people don't go to bars so much to meet people. They, yeah. They're also busy professionals that don't have a ton of time to be hanging out at bars hoping that the right one is just gonna just so happen to show up. So I think that you know, mm -hmm. people are on these apps, but I do think that the the differentiating factor between a guy that's gonna not ghost you and a guy that will is I think where they're at in their lives. And if that light is on. And and I think like even as women, mm -hmm. is is the light on for us? Like are we just looking for someone to go on dates with and like go to the movies with or or have we been like you know what I've worked on myself I'm in a great place and now I'm looking to like actually actually be in a relationship and I think that that's going to be the differentiating factor for everyone you know where are you and what do you want mm -hmm. and I feel like maybe people and, and maybe people yeah. are not honest enough with themselves about where they're at because again you go back to societal pressures and whereas like you you're it's very hard to listen to what you really want. I've realized that as I get older, like that whole like, oh, just you no, know what you want. A, a lot of people percent. don't because you think you know what you want. And 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 most of the time, as admitting to what you really want is a little bit scary. So to Diana's point, like a lot of people might be out there like shunning people away, maybe not even because they don't want to, but because exactly. they think that they should be single or they think that they should be. And then I knew I knew a lot of girls when when I was single, when we would go out and deep inside, all they longed for was to be at home with one person. But all of us were single at the same time. So the sh so she was just like, well, I want to I want to date too. But right. she didn't really want that. But she was never you know what I mean? Like it took for a long time to admit that like, okay, all I want is like a monogamous, serious person relationship. 
And then finally That's she true. found I mean, it, but it took her like a That long was, time. I think, something that part of my journey was very, very hard to admit to. And I admitted to it now because I finally accepted it. It took me forever to realize, like, I'm sitting here and I'm – and yes, I have a relation, uh, podcast on relationships and advice. And usually I'm just tossing it to other people. But for the most part, I don't know what I want. And for a very, very long time, I was like, no, I know what I want, but, like, I don't take the right steps to get to it. Or, like, I think this is what I want. And, like, no – I've had opportunities where it's like, well, is this what you want? Or is this what you want? Is this what you want? And I, oh, like the fact that I alone am given the options, I get into an analysis paralysis, right? Because I don't know what I want. Um, so I think you're 100% right that a lot of people do not know what they want. And that ends up being sort of their their Achilles heel in everything that they do. Um, and that's probably why the dating apps think for me does it work because I don't know what I want <laughs> that's a different topic entirely <laughs> uh, but I mean and, and and honestly I was talking to a friend um, and right. I mentioned this on the last episode because of everything that's been going on you've actually I've actually found myself in a lot of deeper and more meaningful conversations either through the phone or through a FaceTime or even through text messages and it's not because everyone's in this state of dread but it's because you're forced the only way that you're interacting with people right now is through your phone because you're, you're not allowed to go out um and i think that that plays a factor into creating deeper relationships um which i d i didn't expect i didn't expect me of all people to be like okay you know what i'm actually gonna have like a, a one hour you know phone conversation with this person that i probably normally would just go out to a bar for three hours with and like shoot the shit you know um, right. So I think this 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 thing that we're we're going through is also going to mm -hmm. is is going to play a big factor in how we create relationships and get to know ourselves and everything. But on that note, um, I'm going to toss it to you guys in case you have any final thoughts. But I I do I was about to say I want to be respectful of everyone's time because I've been on so many Zoom calls and WebEx conference calls and stuff. But <laughs> not not to make this sound like a conference call. Point freeze. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bad. <laughs> um, but I do just think, like if if there are any either one piece of advice or like one final thought that you kind of want to give um, everyone listening on on all of these pressures on everything that we feel or I don't know whatever it is that you want to say. Um, I'll talk to you. Nina, you can go first. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. On my end, it would be um, definitely just be okay with being honest with yourself and at whatever stage of your life you're, whether you're in your early 20s, your mid 20s, or your your early 30s or your mid 30s always ask yourself what do you want and you don't have to share that with anyone i feel like again women overshare and women need to like express themselves to other women because we all have to know everything about each other so that we can then have like this like crazy like advice cycle where we all sit and talk like just sit with yourself and ask yourself what you want and you don't have to admit to it to anyone you can just own the truth by yourself and then slowly try to get close to that and that I find that when you are authentic with yourself, everything around you just gets better. Your relationships get better. Your careers choices get better. It doesn't mean your life is a utopia, right? Like we all have to get through a bunch of crap every single day. But just having a North Star where you're yeah. like, I'm okay with not having kids in my 20s. That's okay. 
just admitting that to yourself is great. So just like have, just be kinder to yourself and ask yourself, what do you really want? Thank you for that. D? You don't have to share that with anyone, but just ask yourself. Um, (laughs) I would say to throw checklists out the window unless they are to achieve a goal or, or, or to get to some sort of, you know, big thing that you want, I would say to just throw checklists out the window. I think that we um, are kind of given checklists from the moment that we're born of like, find a good man, get married, have a child, and do X and do Y. And that doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it has to be in that order. It doesn't mean it has to happen at all. Any of those things, (laughs) all of those things. Um, So I would say to just just focus on to Nina's point, like what you want, what you authentically want. And just also be aware that there's certain things that you cannot control in your life, certain things that will happen to you. um, And to expect the unexpected and to just learn to go with the flow and, and what you want will constantly change, it will evolve because of things that will happen around you, or just you grow up through certain things. And and be okay with that and be okay with, with not having that checklist and just do whatever makes you happy and, and realize that you're in a lane of your own and you are the only one that has to live with your own decisions, no one else. So figure out what decisions those are and, and do them and, and Mm -hmm. throw up the window, Mm -hmm. you know, society norms or judgments or checklists or whatever it is and, and figure out, you know, what it is that you want. And also, be cognizant that on the way to those things, certain changes can happen and that's okay because eventually it's all going to lead to the place that you were meant to be. I love that. So that's, that's my piece. I love that. hundred percent agree. I think uh, the only thing that I would add is love that. everything, echoing all of your points, everything that you guys said, <laughs> and then also adding that, like, especially what Nina said, like be kinder to yourself. It's okay to fall off the wagon sometimes. Like, as long as you're trying to move forward and trying to hit all of those goals that you set out for yourself, it, it, it's not like a, a one track journey, right? Like it's things change exactly what you said, Diana, what you want is going to change yeah. from one day to the next. And as long as you're self-aware of it and you're accepting of it, then that's good. And there was something that I heard today. I was listening to um, a video from Matthew Hussey who said like, you know, he, he, I love him by the way. Yeah. So Sorry. he has, he has a lot of add that plug. My, my friend sent me one <laughs> plug for Matthew Hussey. So he had actually, my plug friend had Matthew. sent me, my friend had sent me a video where he talked about, you know, like relationships during coronavirus and all of everything that's happening. He said yeah. that, um, someone had said, you know, Oh, if you draw yourself a bath and like order out some takeout, you know, that's self-love. And he's like, no, that's self-dependence. So don't confuse self-dependence with self-love. Self-love is self-acceptance. It's accepting everything that you are. And I think Mm -hmm. that was probably my biggest takeaway from that entire thing, because I think a lot of us tend to confuse self-love with like how much we spoil ourselves or what we do or like, well, I'm okay being alone. Whereas self-love is really just accepting who you are. Maybe you are a person that doesn't like being alone. As long as you accept that, it's okay. So that would be, that would be my takeaway. But, um, Thank you guys so much mm-hmm. uh, for coming on. I know this is a little Thank unconventional. You. 
I love this conversation. <laughs> I wish I could have done it in a studio, but I definitely think that there yeah, will be a follow-up. Wanna... Yes. No, I will. Diana, you will be as soon as, as, soon as I want to go to the studio. You're definitely coming <laughs> to the studio. I have to show that to you. It's a lot of fun. Um, but again, thank you both. Um, as always, you guys like, like subscribe, uh, follow the podcast, send in your questions, whatever it is, and stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Um, and we'll see you next time.